You are listening to the Food Means Business Podcast, which features the personal stories and secret ingredients behind what it's like to abandon your day job to start a CPG food and beverage business. I'm Janaba Johnson-Jones, former marketing executive turned entrepreneur and founder of food business incubator Hudson Kitchen. Join our community of fellow food business owners and subject matter experts to learn and laugh with us as we explore a startup world that's a little more culinary and a lot less corporate these days. Alexander, welcome to the Food Means Business Podcast. <laughs> so happy to have Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I can't wait to jump in. But first, I want to hear about you. Give us a little bit about your story and how you started your company, Eat My Words. Okay. Well, my background is I was an advertising copywriter and I wrote a lot of ads and I wrote enough copy to circle the globe six times. And then I discovered naming and I had no idea that naming was a profession. And this was like 15 years into my copywriting career. So I switched gears and decided to become a namer. And I wanted to give my company a name. And I was, I, I really liked food because not just eating it, but I love <laughs> consumer packaged goods and. I, you know, food is fun. It's way more fun to name than technology, which living in the Bay Area, I was doing a lot of. So I came up with the name Eat My Words because uh, we started out naming things that make people fat and drunk. And <laughs> I named the Wendy's Baconator. So I, th- I think that lives, <laughs> I think it might not make you drunk, but I definitely <laughs> think I can add some pounds. But yeah, that's how I got started. And uh, that was 18 years ago. Wow. So let's talk about, so first let's talk about my name. So let's talk about that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So Janaba, yeah, your name. So for those of you who don't know, Janaba's name is spelled with a D, D D-J-E-N-A-B-A. And so, you know, I always tell people, don't name your business after yourself. And one of the reasons why is a lot of people, I mean, Janaba, you're a your special case, because yours is, you've got a silent letter at the <laughs> first part of your name. So like, yeah, I'm sure people butcher it all the time. What are some of the ways people have said it wrong? I guess a Dejanaba is a good one. That one happens all the time. People want to pronounce the D. I've got had Janabo, Janaba. It's been all, all oh, over the Jennifer. place. Janaba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you're starting out with a blank slate, don't give yourself any disadvantages when you're naming your company or your products. So is it like it needs to be easy for people to remember and pronounce? Yeah, is your name right? should be it should be intuitive for people to spell and pronounce. That's got it, got a really it. big deal. And yeah, and I can go through my thoughts on like the right and wrong way to name something <laughs> when we get into some further questions. Well, let's talk about that. So let's talk about what are the qualities that make a strong brand name? So I have a test, the evaluation filter. It's called the Smile and Scratch Test. And it's based on my philosophy that a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. And smile (laughs) is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name great. And scratch are the seven deal breakers. When it makes you scratch your head, scratch it off the list. Take us through smile and scratch, please. Okay, so smile, (laughs) that S stands for suggestive. You want the name of your company product to suggest something about a positive brand experience that people have. One name that does this, I I was at the Fancy Food Show one year. I I love cake pops. And I saw this company name 
tickle belly. And like, it's so fun and suggestive, right? Like, you know, it's going to taste good. And oh my God, they're so good. And I asked the guy, how did you come up with the name? And he told me his daughter came up with it. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that's not the right answer. So you paid a naming firm to come up with it. That's the only time I've seen a name that a kid came up with. <laughs> yeah, so that's suggestive. And then okay. the M is memorable. Memorable. What makes something memorable? Memorable names are based in the familiar. So anything that is already existing in our knowledge base is going to be easier for people to remember than names that aren't. So for instance, well, like the expression, eat my words, people already know that expression. So it's easier to remember. One that I love is Ben and Jerry's have great flavor names and Chunky Monkey. It's so infectious and memorable, yeah. right? And fun it's to lyrical say. Yes. Rhyme. I'm a big <laughs> fan of lyrical names, huge. Then the I and smile stands for imagery. And imagery is also really important for memorability. Because if we can picture something in our heads when we hear it, we can then remember it later when we're at the store and we're trying to recall that name from our brain's dusty filing cabinet. An example is if you know, you're know you facing a wall of energy drinks and you're like, what was that name that Alexandra said? Well, we named an energy drink. It was an all-natural energy drink targeted at women that four o'clock hour in the afternoon where you need a pick-me-up, but you don't want to drink a cup of coffee. And uh, we named it Bloom. So when I say Bloom, <laughs> you can picture a flower blooming in your head. Then when you're looking at the energy drink wall, you're like, what was that name? Like, boom, that flower, it, it comes to your mind. So that's an imagery name. The L stands for legs. Legs is one of my favorite things about a name. I know I'm doing a workshop for you Yes, later on. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you guys a lot of examples <laughs> of that. But quickly, a name with legs just means it lends itself to a theme. So eat my words. We have a menu of services. Our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. Our icon is a 1950s pink refrigerator. So that's what I mean by it. You know, legs lending itself to a theme. And then finally, the E and smile stands for emotional, and you want your names to make an emotional connection. And otherwise, you're just going to fade into the background and you can't afford to do that. So I think names that make emotional connections, those are the ones that make us smile. One that I love is we named a frozen yogurt franchise Spoon Me. And I love that name. <laughs> So great. We named a cupcake store at the Church of Cupcakes. Oh, the Church of Cupcakes has great legs. So the woman that runs it calls herself the church lady. <laughs> her tagline that we did is worshipers welcome. And she has really fun cupcake flavor names. One that I love, it, it takes a minute to get it, but the vanilla cupcake is named the missionary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you get that. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. And let's talk about Scratch. <laughs> okay, Scratch. Scratch is when to scratch it off the list because it's Scratch Your Head again. So the S in Scratch stands for Spelling Challenge. And this is a big one that people violate. If your name isn't spelled exactly like it sounds, people are going to have trouble finding you and they're going to be frustrated. All of the things in Scratch are frustration points for customers. Mm -hmm or potential customers, trust me, all of these are things that 
will haunt you if you do them. You might think, oh, just one of these. It's okay. We're going to look sometimes in food, like tricks, right? It's spelled with an X mm-hmm. and Spanx. Okay. Some like if a past do, <laughs> but for the most part, don't spell your name a weird way. If it looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. Then the first C and scratch ends for copycat. This is a big one. Do not copy what another brand is doing. Mm-hmm. The best example I know of in food, really anywhere, not beyond food, just in the world, is Pinkberry. You guys all remember Pinkberry. Pinkberry frozen yogurt. That name has been ripped off so many times. So one time I just went on my computer and I typed in words in front of berry frozen yogurt. So I typed in Coolberry, Blissberry, Yoberry. They all were already in use as frozen yogurt store names. I have a whole slide of these. So what happens when you copy someone's name? When someone sees Blissberry or Yoberry, the first thing a consumer thinks is, oh, they ripped off Pinkberry. You know, even mm-hmm. Red Mango. I don't know if you remember that one. I do, I do. That's also a ripoff. It's a color and a fruit. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, okay. people don't okay. think. Because when I see a name, I try to think of like, what was the thought process to come up with that or who approved that? But yeah, that's what that was. Like Red Mango is not a great name any more than, I mean, Pinkberry. Paris Hilton, I believe, was photographed eating Pinkberry with a Pinkberry shirt on or something. And that was all they needed was an influencer <laughs> where influencers were called influencers. So yeah, don't be a copycat. And you open yourself up to trademark infringement that way. Absolutely. Okay. And then the R stands for restrictive. And that happens when you outgrow your name. I'll just give an example of 1-800-Flowers. Right. They sell way more than flowers. They do. Yeah, that's right? true. And diapers.com sells way more than diapers. So when you're naming your product or your company, look into your crystal ball and make sure that your name still fits you you know, 10 years down the road. It's a little hard because we don't know what we're going to be doing, but you don't want a name that's super limiting. Like a name that I love is Mary's Gone Crackers, but if Mary's Gone Crackers suddenly gets into frozen confections, it's not going to work. Right. By the way, that reminds me that Ben and Jerry's ice cream, they have frozen dog. I know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Oh, ben and Jerry's is really interesting. So Ben and Jerry's, the name Ben and Jerry is, it's not a great name, but you know, there's two guys and we all know them by now, but they were able to move beyond it by doing fun names for the flavors. But on their website, they have a flavor graveyard where you can go see all the flavor names that no longer exist. Oh, wow. One that I loved was Economic Crunch. (laughs) That was introduced after the stock market crash. <laughs> it's not like a really appetizing name. No, you it's know? not. <laughs> People smile. We're having an emotional connection and we're talking about it. And that's the trick with names. You want a name that gets tweeted and repeated. So back to Scratch. So we've got restrictive and then next the A and scratches for annoying. And annoying names are when people do something silly, like they spell it backwards or the name is ambiguous it doesn't say like that lingerie brand third love right like how would you know that that was a bra company like what does that even mean and the founder said that she likes that the name is ambiguous nothing as you know nothing about your business should be ambiguous like don't make people guess and you're not going to be there to explain the name to people right they're going to be in whole foods looking at your product like you're not going to be you know maybe you're going to be like doing some taste testing somewhere, but not there to explain it. 
Right. So you want your name to be clear. So that's don't be annoying. And then tame. Tame just means you're super descriptive and you can't afford to be tame. You got to stand out. And then the second C stands for curse of knowledge. I don't see this happening in the food industry very much. It's more of a tech problem mm-hmm. where people are coming up with a name that is meaningful to the engineers, but not to them. But curse of knowledge means it's foreign, right? It can be a foreign word. Sur la table, we all know, I'm sure all of the people listening to this know mm-hmm. that brand. It is a fine kitchen and cooking supplies and baking supplies. I used to work upstairs from a Sur la table mm-hmm. and everyone called it Sur la table. And uh, it looks like if you don't know French, it looks like Sur la table. Right, right. And so think, think, you might know it, but in French is notoriously bad. And that's going to lead us right into the Asian scratch, which is hard to pronounce. Back to Sur la table. Have you ever been in a French restaurant, maybe, or a foreign restaurant, and you didn't know how to pronounce something on the menu, and you didn't want to embarrass yourself by ordering it, so maybe you pointed at it, or right. you didn't order it. Right. And, you know, and I was at a French restaurant, and they had a dessert on the menu with a name no one could pronounce. And it's like, why didn't they just put, you know, maybe it was a banana split, who knows, but like, you put everyone listening, this is a really good way to think about it. If you're at a restaurant, this is not hard to pronounce. This is just emotion. We're going to emotional. Sorry to jump mm-hmm. back to that. If you're looking at a menu and you see chicken soup and then another menu has grandma's chicken soup, which one is more appealing? It's, it's the grandma's, grandma's, right? Right, right. Because it's homemade. Yeah. yeah. You, right. It sounds homemade. So Little things like that can totally, it boosts emotion and not boost sales because more people are going to order grandma's chicken soup than just chicken soup on its own. So that's great. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So what are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're naming their business? You you, you went through Smile and Scratch, but there's got to be some other ones too. Yeah, there's more. Okay, one is a lot of people start by looking for a domain name and that's the last thing you should do. Don't worry about your domain. I can't tell you enough that it doesn't matter, especially in food. You have the ability to get any domain you want simply by adding a verb in front of it, like drink, enjoy, or eat. I never thought about it that way because I'm guilty of coming up with the name and running to GoDaddy and to see if it's available or not. So that's really, that's interesting that you would say that. But everybody does that. Janaba, like every single person, I, I don't know why, but that's, I think we want it to be, my business name is this, so the domain name needs to be exactly that instead of doing what you did, said with adding a verb in front of it and being more creative. Yeah, Yeah, and here's something that's even more creative. And again, food, look, when you're in food, you can get away with so much. You can, because food is fun, right? So you can, you can have fun. So we all know the O list, Oprah's list. And one time I was at the dentist and I was in the waiting room and I was reading O Magazine, and on the O list, there was a smoked turkey company. You could send someone a smoked turkey, and it was <laughs> called Greenberg Smoked Turkeys. Okay, then I go in, I have my procedure, I'm all doped up on medication. Mm-hmm. And a week later, I still remember the domain name of Greenberg Smoked Turkeys. I didn't remember Greenberg Smoked Turkeys, <laughs> but I remember the domain name, and it's gobblegobble.com. <laughs> yes, that's great. That is great, yeah. yes. And yes. then another one, so I was at the Fancy Food Show another time, and I love peanut butter. I'm a peanut butter addict. And 
you know, I'm like walking around tasting all, there's like 13 peanut butter purveyors. And I turn the corner and I see this banner above a booth and it says, I love peanutbutter.com. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so brilliant because peanut butter is polarizing, right? People really love it or they don't like it. And the people that love it are like me, like that's my desert island food. So I talked to the people and their company is called Peanut Butter and Co. And they have the domain name peanutbutterandco.com. But if you go there, it redirects to I Love Peanut Butter. <laughs> All the email addresses of the employees are at ilovepeanutbutter.com. Why? It's easier to remember and it's fun. That's true. It definitely is. That's great. Yeah. So good- don't start on GoDaddy. Just come up with a great name. Just one more thing about sure. mistakes people make. This is a really big one. If you own a domain name, a lot of people think that means you own the trademark. You don't at all. So make sure that you get your trademark research done first. And I have a great food trademark attorney, Lauren. She introduced yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, she was definitely she was on yeah. the podcast. So we'll definitely we'll link it up yeah, in the show yeah. notes for okay, sure. Great. Yes, absolutely. Great. Yeah, no, that's great. Everyone should listen to that podcast. So let's talk about common brand name misconceptions. Misconceptions. A common misconception is that your name needs to be, well, I would say a common misconception about names is that if it's creative, it's a good name. But creative could be, you know, I could be wearing a polka dot sock and a striped sock right now. Right. Not, by the way. Yes, it is creative. Is it a good idea? Not really. So just because your name looks creative, you know, maybe put a number in the middle of it. You maybe spell creative with a K R E A T I V. Yes, that's creative. Is it a good name? No. So I think that's a common misperception. Yeah, that makes sense. So we kind of touched on good domain names. Is there any other tips that you have about that? And because you mentioned adding the verb in front of the domain, is there something else that we should be thinking about? Yeah, there's a good domain site called namestudio.com. And you can go there, look for domain names, and there's a brainstorming function of it. Mm -hmm. And if you click on it, it will give you more ideas. And a couple times I've been there looking for domains and come up with a better name for the company. One that I was doing, this was just a fake assignment, but I think I was coming up with Somehow I came up with Puppy Butler. I was coming up with, oh, Puppy Wrangler. Uh-huh. And then I saw Puppy Butler. And I'm like, that's so cute. So <laughs> just fun. I think there's a lot of brainstorming tools online. Another one for domain names. I don't want to switch screens right now, but there are definitely some brainstorming tools for domains. You could also use Chat GPT. I don't know if it does domain names, but you could certainly try. But I think the verb is the right way to go. I I always, when people ask for domain names, let's drink Coca-Cola, you know, or eat pop chips. I would go for the verb because it's positive and it's reinforcing your brand. Right. That makes so much sense. I guess from time to time, some companies may need to change their brand name. Is there ever a point where it's too late? Because you spent all this time building brand awareness around a certain name, but you know that changing it makes a lot of sense. So when should that happen? Well, there's a couple times. One is, you know, in the case of like beverages and more, they change their name to Bevmo. And that's just because consumers already shortened it for them. But there's times when people outgrow their name. 
Crown Cow is a purveyor of really fine meats and seafoods. And they outgrew their name, Crowd Cow. It started out with a couple friends wanting to buy better quality beef and they crowdsourced a cow. They realized they could buy a whole cow and, wow. and, and they split <laughs> it up between them. And then they were tech bros and other tech bros wanted to get in on it. And then suddenly they had a company. So they grew Crowd Cow into this big company. But then it didn't say anything about seafood. The name was more of a bro name, like a backyard barbecue name. Right. But it was like appealing to moms and feeding their families better. So we came up with a better name for them, which was Ranch and Real, R-E-E-L, from Cattle Ranch, right. Fish and Real. That makes sense. And they were going to change it. And then the pandemic happened. <sighs> You know how so many businesses tanked during the pandemic, but if some like random ones just went through the ceiling? Yep. Crowd Cow, because remember people were buying meat, like, so their business just really shot up and right. took off. So yeah, so they ended up not changing that, which is too bad. But hmm. I love Ranch and Rail, but that's a good example of a name change. That's a great name. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so real can have it. Just give me credit. <laughs> I love all the tips that you've been giving everybody, and I can't wait to have you on a workshop, which we'll talk about. But I'd love to hear now what you are celebrating. It could be both personal or professional. Yeah, it's funny. I knew you were going to ask me that question, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And then yesterday, I had something to celebrate. So I got a new client, and she is affiliated with the design school at Stanford, and I lectured at the grad school many times and never at the design school. And she is friends with David Kelly, the founder of IDEO and the founder of the D school, the design school. And she's going to give him my book. And I'm just super excited. Oh, that's about so that. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Thank you for sharing. That's so great. So, Alexander, tell everyone where they can find all about you and how to work with you. You can find me at eatmywords.com, just like it sounds. You can test your name on our site. There's a free name. The Smiling Scratch Test is there. It's interactive. and You'll get your results, and I'll get your results too. So if you want to write anything to me, just say that you heard me on the show. Yeah, there's always special deals, and I have an online course, and yeah, lots of tools to help you. That's great. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. The Food Means Business podcast was produced by Hudson Kitchen. It is recorded at the studio at Kearney Point and mixed and edited by Wild Home Podcasting. Our theme song is by Damien DeSandes, and I'm your host, Janaba Johnson-Jones. Follow Hudson Kitchen on Instagram at The Hudson Kitchen. And to get food business bites right in your inbox, sign up for our newsletter at thehudsonkitchen.com forward slash newsletter. Listen, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Until next time.